When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. I've never felt older, but I'll be the first to say it. The NFL draft was too bright. I'd prefer my drafts take place in a dingy Radisson, something with wood panel wallpaper, a couple of buds on the table, the thick plume of cancer wafting in the air. Now that's a draft. The way it used to be. A guy named Saul would call you one day and summon you to Bergen County for training camp. And you'd go. You'd quit your second job. Say goodbye to your high school sweetheart. Maybe I'm the only one, but I spent the whole night trying to figure out, like the whole draft felt like a killer's concert. You know what's a really meaningless bit of analysis you get from someone breaking down film of someone who has just been drafted? He's big. Yeah, I should hope so. He just got drafted into the damn NFL. If he wasn't big, that'd be a problem. Someone could get hurt. Does anyone sell it less? than the NFL fan pretending to know the player their team just drafted. We see through you, your phonies, your frauds. You're wearing the jersey, but you don't know the names on the back of the jersey. You went to the draft without knowing the players who were in the draft. What a country. What a sport. The NFL defies logic. I hate it, but I love it. It is kind of crazy that the draft is as big of an event as it is when so many people in attendance and sitting at home have absolutely no idea what the hell is going on. I'm starting to think that if you don't give people a decent dose of the NFL for five months, that they will die. Who knows how deep this conspiracy goes and who knows how many lives have already been saved. Adam Schefter tweeted the other day, each year, unexpected players sneak into round one. One possibility this year is USC pass rusher, Drake Jackson, whose agent drew Rosenhaus 
said that multiple teams predicted to him Wednesday that Jackson, who had 15 top 30 visits, would be a surprise first-round pick. Not included in the first round last night, Drake Jackson. Going to go out on a limb here and suggest that Drew Rosenhaus is not the best source for information about what NFL teams are going to do with players Drew Rosenhaus represents. Poor Schefter. He tried to take the night off. He tried to visit his kid's graduation. He tried to stay away from his phone. Then the Titans traded A.J. Brown, and he couldn't resist. He had to break it. The guy's a pro. He's not the best. He's not the worst. He's just Adam Schefter, and business is good. The New England Patriots drafted a player named Cole Strange, which sounds like the headline right below the one where Robin Williams got his name and Mrs. Doubtfire. Bill Belichick just drafted someone who only exists on paper. The man is operating on a different plane. No one should feel safe watching the NFL draft. There's a chance you could get a knock on the door and be informed that you just been drafted by Bill Belichick. Jalen Brunson's name just sounds tough. Mike Greenberg seems like an easy target, but he really is a Cal Ripken for sports television. Those who complain about him doing everything never give him proper credit for doing everything. It's not easy, man. There's a reason there aren't many Mike Greenbergs, and it's not for lack of trying. Because if you could be Mike Greenberg, you would be Mike Greenberg, but you're not, and he is. He has all the jobs. Deal with it. Did some thinking, made some peace, came to the conclusion. My best case scenario 10 years from now is probably Dennis Miller and the Monday night football booth. Bleak. Pretty cool how Jim Jackson has turned himself in to a really good broadcaster. His growth is really impressive. He's a nice presence next to Ian Eagle. Just goes to show how far a lack of ego can go. I'm not sure if this is a safe space, but I'll say it anyway. I have actual hope for the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell, he has the intangibles, the impossible job needs, and there are actually smart football decisions being made for the first time in forever. Aiden Hutchinson, Jamison Williams, trading up without giving up too much. Smart things. Roster building. Light at the end of the tunnel. What is happening? It's also becoming abundantly clear that the Packers don't have this grand master plan following Aaron Rodgers. Kirk Cousins is only getting more average. Justin Fields, the jury's still out. Call me crazy, but there's a chance Bears-Lions could be for the division for the next several years. No one loves to tell you how much food they can give you for $5 more than fast food companies. 
HBO's Barry is back. Did you ever stop to think about what team Indiana Jones would root for? My conclusion, and I'm still studying the facts, is this. The Utah Jazz. Nate Silver. More like Nate Bronze. Or more accurately, more like Nate not meddling. Quinn Snyder looks like the main actor in a movie about a contract killer who also coaches the Utah Jazz, played by Timothy Chalamet's father. Quinn Snyder lived a lot of life. Quinn Snyder still searching for that deep playoff run. Quinn Snyder rub some balm on it. Oh, wait, you already do. Quinn Snyder, has anyone ever had more chaotic energy? Quinn Snyder looks like he advises young brokers how to cheat on their Series 7s. Quinn Snyder looks like the guy deemed too dangerous and too off-kilter to work in the boiler room. Quinn Snyder looks like the guy who played the Scarecrow. Jamison Williams was the fastest receiver in this draft, according to the Lions' GPS analysis. I have to ask, are we really okay with NFL teams surveilling players like this? Feels icky. A lot of people are worked up about Lamar Jackson and his WTF tweet. Not me, though. This guy is going to be so great with Mark Marin. I'm looking forward to their conversation. What Chris Paul did last night was an all-timer. It's the kind of game that makes them roll a TV out on a cart and make kids watch the grainy-ass footage. It'll forever be known as the 14 for 14 game. A word of warning, if you're going to listen to Ryan Rosillo's podcast today, wear a hazmat suit. I have to think that the diehard battery spy cam used for the NFL draft coverage is responsible for a lot of divorces. I'm pretty sure it's the same device they planted in Wolf of Wall Street. Feeling for the first time a bizarre sensation deep in my loins. WebMD says it could be a horrific infection. It also says it could be actual optimism for the lions. Either way, I feel like I'm going to die. Kayvon Thibodeau in the New York City media market. Should be fun. New York City is now a two Thibodeau town. Sauce Gardner going to the Jets. Haven't seen New Yorkers this fired up about a sauce since Henry Hill had those errands to run. If we do not immediately start referring to Derek Carr's hairstyle as the Vegas Strip, then we have failed as a society. The Detroit Tigers strategy to win games one to nothing is going to be far less successful than it was 
for Jose Mourinho, this team stinks. This team's broken. This team's in trouble. Six and 12, worst record in the American League. Three game set against the Dodgers. Feeling a lot like last year. The problem, of course, is that it wasn't supposed to feel like last year. In Philadelphia, a Rockies coach ate 25 cheesesteaks during a four-game series with the Phillies. Not to be that guy, but how about working in a salad? Pretty impressive that Kyrie Irving can go from quoting Moses to quoting Robert Moses. From the Department of Good News, we are living in the golden age of athletes named Kyle. Pitts, Hamilton, Allen, Fuller, Juszczyk, Rudolph, Van Noy, Lowry, Corver, Kuzma, Anderson, O'Quinn, Guy, Hendricks, Schwarber, Seeger, Gibson, Higiashioka, Tucker. The brand is strong. Our friend, Ryan Glassbeagle got annoyed that Stephen A. Smith, Molly Kiram, and Keyshawn Johnson were ripping Dan Orlovsky as a cheapskate for flying coach with his family and how that was a rough look. Maybe we should call this show First Class Take. All right, it's a Friday, and that means that Stephen Douglas has beamed in from upstate, mid-state New York. He has been hard at work watching a tremendous amount of NBA playoff basketball, as well as the NFL draft. He's been putting forth yeoman efforts on the site this week, and I wanted to pick his brain on some of the stuff that happened last night, and I think I kind of want to start with this. It was an elite sports night. Uh the NFL draft is not really for me. I don't really care about this type of stuff. I was long, I long made the argument that you could just print the results and agate and we would be in the same place as we are this morning. But then I kind of saw what it does for traffic and what the outside interest is. And it's just a totally unnecessary and unreasonable spectacle. And I wanted to get your feeling on something that I observed. And that is that the NFL draft is the most unsettling viewer experience. There's just so much going on at all times. And it seems like they're trying to stuff like 15 items in a bag that can only hold seven at all times. The screen looks like times square. Now I know part of that is because it was in Vegas this year, but I think that in the chat, I don't know if you said it or if it was someone else who works with us said that they were experiencing sensory overload with everything that was flying at them. Are we just getting older? Is the NFL draft getting crazier out there? Hat tip, Arthur Fleck. I think it's definitely getting crazier. I mean, there, there's just a lot going on. Um, it's because they have to they have to make the TV show out of it, which, I mean, there's so much more than enough to do that. But it's also, I mean, they've got hundreds, thousands of like real live NFL fans there that they have to keep entertained. It's like a fan experience too. So it's, it's kind of like a, the NFL's like festival where they've got things going on different stages at the same time. And 
you know, ESPN and ABC and NFL Network want to want to like give fans a peek of all that. And there's just too much. And there's so many moves. I mean, you got 32 picks, just the 32 picks alone would be um, enough content. Just like, oh, they, this team did this. I mean, you don't, you don't need anything besides like for the Packers. You just need the name and position of the people they took, which were defenders. So right there, you have Aaron Rodgers can't like this. He, he didn't get any help on offense. And that's, you don't, you don't really even need to know the names. You just need to know the positions. I mean, it's the NFL. Every single person can be a storyline. And then on top of that, you've got where all these people are. Uh, you've got players at the green room. You've got guys that are set up at their homes that are having parties, places, and each one of them has a camera crew. And I, you want to, when you're doing the broadcast, I mean, you have to feature all these. You've got all these cameras. You've got to use them. Once guys get drafted, if they're there, they have to go up on stage. They have to do their handshake. You got to make a big deal about, you know, the what kind of uh, reception they get from Goodell. You ha- they have to hug every single person that's with them. And then you've got all your experts who need to weigh in and say why this is a great pick because it's not really the t- – it's, it's supposed to be a celebration of football and all these guys who are, like, getting – who are accomplishing their dreams by getting drafted. And then there's the whole other thing where like Rogers and like you have the, the Lamar Jackson thing, the WTF. And it's like, is, well, is this about the guy they drafted? There's just so much going on. I mean, but I mean, I don't know how else you do it with all those trades. Like it would work on like a Sunday afternoon, like just like treat it like another NFL Sunday. It starts at 1 PM and just stretch it out and let things breathe. But I mean, then you've, you've still got six more rounds of the draft. And you're not going to air those, you know, Monday and Tuesday nights. So it's just, there's just way too much going on, but I don't know how you, how you would fix it. I mean, how you would make it any smaller. Yeah. It reminds me of that episode of parks and recreation where they have to make the painting and they kind of make, I forget what they, what is, what do they call it? Where they, everybody adds their own element and it, the result is a camel as deemed by Mark Brandanovitz, Mark Brandanovitz, Witz, Mark Brandanowitz, Mark Brandanowitz. And it's almost like the answer is one that they're never going to do. You're right. But it's almost like the answer I'd say is like, you hold this um, like at a Teamsters union hall off of the highway in new jersey where it's kind of like smoky and you have wood panel on the wall and it's kind of like okay it's a bunch of people named saul deciding who is uh going to be playing for the next team and you kind of get some of that grit around it but it's just like they're trying to make it into this like coachella festival the festival point you made was a really good one because there were times last night where i felt like i was watching the killers on one stage at Lollapalooza in some sort of stream and they're trying to serve the audience in person, which they need because it brings it so much excitement and it shows the robust strength of their league. But those interests don't really align with the viewing public at home. Whereas on NFL Sunday, they've figured out a way to kind of speak to both audiences. Yeah. uh, It's actually as a TV viewing, viewing experience specifically, it would work the best the way that they shoot the world series of poker. It's this huge event with a million different things going on. And then they delay it by like, 
an hour or whatever now to like try and hit all the important stuff. But I mean, that just doesn't work when you've got things that are so big happening that Adam Schefter is tweeting from his son's graduation. Um, there, there's no accounting for that. But as just a strictly a viewing experience at home, there's a million different ways. There are a million different changes that can be made, but it just doesn't work in reality. In your expert veteran sports blogger opinion, what do you think was the blog post that came out of last night's draft, whether it be selections or whether it be some of the off field drama, like you alluded to with Lamar Jackson, because that's kind of what I pointed to. I was pushing hard in the chat as we were trying to figure out what we were going to cover last night. To me, Lamar Jackson going out and doing this as the quarterback of his team, if he had said it in a press conference, it would feel like a big deal. But I think that Twitter brain has kind of eroded us to the point where we don't think of these tweets as actual statements. It's the old Donald Trump thing, right? Where these are actually official statements. And if he went to a microphone and said them, they would have been outlandish. Now, in that case, obviously, that was kind of like the soup of the day. But I thought that Lamar Jackson kind of having a bit of a meltdown and, and whether or not he's right, which I understand his frustration of getting rid of Hollywood Brown is really detrimental to what he's trying to accomplish as a quarterback and what that team's trying to do, which is win a Super Bowl. You kind of almost have to realize that as the face of the franchise, and nobody likes that term because you sound like you're 100 years old and you're kind of an old crank. But I do think in some cases, there's some validity and some merit to it. You, you absolutely can't be airing the dirty laundry out there like this was it the jackson thing for you or was there something else that really stood out well personally for me i i like all the like individual stuff um all the like just seeing the guys and their fashion and who their family and um that's why i think the remote draft was the like best thing for the nfl draft and every draft i, I like seeing getting a glimpse of these guys in their homes with their and just, you know, seeing if they're having a party, seeing if they're in front of their parents' ugly drapes like Joe Burrow. Personally, I like, you know, uh, Sauce's necklace and just the, I mean, I'm, a, I'm always been a sucker for hats, all that stuff. But back to Jackson, yeah, that, that, I mean, it's, it's an official statement, you know, it's, and I mean, he's the bus driver, uh, which to borrow a term from uh, the NBA. It's, it's the Kyrie Irving thing where it's like Jackson said WTF and then he's like, well, it wasn't about that. Well, it's like, you can't just tweet this in the middle of the NFL draft right at the same time that something is happening with your team and we're just supposed to understand and you can just go, well, well you can't think that. I mean, what else are we supposed to think? Explain it to us. Tell us WTF, you know, you got killed in Call of Duty or something. You know, explain it. Don't. If you don't want our imagination, imaginations to run wild, then, you know, just tell us. And what's crazy is that I'm of the opinion that we went too far to the other side on some of that stuff. Like in our coverage, like kind of in our editorial plan, I think that you would agree that I tend to push back about a lot of this stuff because these vague clandestine tweets can oftentimes be misconstrued. And I think people want to project whatever they think is the sexiest story onto it. When a lot of times it could just be like, they're listening to a song or whatever. They're quoting a lyrics and things like this. But in Jackson's case, there's no possible way to read it as anything else. 
Mm-hmm. First, you have the Brown thing, and, and then an hour passes, and then right as your team makes a draft pick, and it's for a lineman, and it, like that's not a great offensive weapon. That's something that's going to um, yield immediate dividends for Jackson in terms of throwing the ball all over the yard. I just, the lack of awareness to do that, and then in this case, it doesn't seem like it can even be retconned to be something else just doesn't make any sense. I don't think it says anything about him as a quarterback, anything about him as a leader. I just am a little bit shocked in the social media age that people can't put their phone down when it would behoove them to just put it down because you're ultimately doing more harm than good. Yeah, 100%. You can't act like we're all watching the soccer game and everybody goes OMG at the same time. And we're all supposed to understand what it is. I mean, this is, it's, this is what happened. Uh, so Jackson, you know, has, has a new lineman uh, that he's apparently very excited about and something very bad also happened at the same time. So I, I hope he's able to work that out, whatever it was. All right. Are you ready for bus driver content as we are contractually <laughs> obligated to provide? Let's talk about the guy driving the bus and that's Chris Paul. Last night, an all-time performance, 14-for-14 shooting as the Phoenix Suns close out the New Orleans Pelicans. Jose Alvarado had an amazing quote after the game. He said, Paul's headed to the Hall of Fame, but now he knows my name as well, which is as strong as you can go out as a losing player in a series. The thing about Chris Paul is you don't have to like him, but you have to respect him. He is one of the few people, I think, in NBA history that could ever go 14 for 14. The fact that he did it at his size, too, is just unbelievably incredible. There's not a lot of gimme shots in there. He can't just rise and fire. He needs to get to his exact spot. Watching him last night was a masterpiece, and it's as good as any playoff performance we've ever seen. Obviously, the stakes weren't quite as high because it didn't come in the finals, and his final stat line was not as eye-popping as perhaps maybe the Giannis 50 in last year's finals. But what can we say about Chris Paul that hasn't been said before? Uh, Not much. I mean, you know, he's just been such a great player for such a long time. Um, And the fact that he is still doing it at this age and LeBron's still doing it um, with less success this year, quite a bit. it's it's impressive how some of these guys just keep going and i mean even carmelo anthony just being a contributor at his, at i mean it's sad you know we're talking about these old folks that are like probably a year or two younger than us but yeah uh it's when chris hall is really cooking he is uh, extremely fun to watch um it's all the other stuff is still super annoying uh you know he kind he caught uh alvarado with that elbow and you're know, like Ah, was that intentional? I mean, it, it might have been. Um, you know, he also kicked him in the uh, in the nuts, and like last game. But uh, it's all the extra stuff with uh, CP3 that is, it makes it a little hard to root for him. But as just like a strict basketball player, he's so awesome, and it's so we're I mean we're so lucky to see him still doing this this late in his career. You know, so in game four, the Pelicans get under his skin. Paul scores all of four points. He gets exasperated. He loses his cool. This had all the makings of 
the student trying to pull one over on the master because they tried to beat Chris Paul at his own game and they couldn't do it. I think that it's so fun as someone like you alluded to earlier that these guys are a year or two years younger than us. And yet we're treating them like their agent, but we're in the golden era of old guys still being able to get it done. I think in a league where the athleticism is only skyrocketed in the NBA, Chris Paul hasn't gotten more athletic. You know, he's only lost a step. He's only gotten slower. His shot is, you know, he's not elevating as much when he shoots the ball. His body is breaking down as it always does. As you know, you get on the wrong side of 35. I just think it's an incredible testament to what he has between his ears. And we all knew this, but it stands in stark contrast to what is kind of like the overarching narrative about him is that he's never been able to win the big one. And we've talked about it before, how this whole rings conversation is so silly. Uh, if only one of the guy's rings per year counts and nowhere is that a clearer case than in Chris Paul's, because if this guy is not everything you want in kind of like a point guard that can you lead you to a title, then it doesn't exist. It would be like if Isaiah Thomas played his entire career, but never got matched up with that right group around him in the Pistons. Now, Isaiah won too, but to me, Thomas and Paul have so many similarities, but I don't think you can say that Thomas is even better than Paul. He's just that he's kind of been able to, he was able to benefit from the exact right time with Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan had been, a year ahead of schedule, maybe the Pistons don't win anything at all. And you could look at the NBA through any different lens at this point, like look at the depth of talent. I mean, you got Luka Doncic out there running around. The Mavs are good enough to win it all this year. The Warriors are back. It seems so specious that we put so much of a value on who is the ultimate winner. And it's a shame because I think that we should be sitting here and really basking in the glory of what we watch sports for. And that's watching a dude respond from being down, answer all the critics and go 14 for 14 in a, the ultimate shut up game. And it is kind of interesting too, because you said there's not a lot more we can say about Chris Paul. And maybe that's the point. Maybe last night was the ultimate shut up game on Chris Paul. Uh, a lot, a lot to respond to there. First, I just want to say that, Isaiah Thomas retired when he was 32, uh, which seems absolutely insane. I mean, he had like a, I mean, basically like a decade career, you know? And I mean, these days, who knows how long like Isaiah Thomas would be able to play with like the health benefits and all the, the advancements and training and all that stuff. But to your point about all the teams that have like a, a chance to win it, uh, the Pelicans this year, you know, I mean, they, they won 36 games during the regular season, and then they gave the team with the best record in the NBA uh, like a real run for their money. Um, it just – the league is just so deep, so talented that, like – I mean, it's like this this Suns team before Chris Paul was there, you know, they were horrible. I mean, they weren't horrible. They were below 500. And then they went into the bubble and won, like, what, eight or 11 games or something straight. Never lost, but just didn't get to make the playoffs. And now it's like the Pelicans are in that same position. They've got Brandon Ingram, who's just become a great player. And they did all this. They pushed the Suns to six games, and they don't. Then they have, they seemingly had this, you know, this. I mean, you talk about bus driver, they have a monster truck on the sidelines. 
uh, in Zion Williamson. And if he can actually come, if he really is healthy and he comes back and he can play like a 75% of a season next year and be available for the playoffs, why can't the Pelicans make the same leap that the Suns did when Chris Paul arrived? Or maybe it's, maybe Zion's not the guy to do it. Maybe they just, it's just a matter of getting the right players added to a add into a situation. Yeah, there's just so many good teams, so many talented players. There aren't many teams in the league right now that you can't make a an, a reason to watch if they're on. T- you can put them on TV. It's like who, how many how many sub 500 teams would you rather watch instead of the Lakers right now? Um, probably quite a few. And the Lakers still have LeBron and Anthony Davis some of the times. Chris Paul is doing it in a deep league, and you know. I'd like to see him win, but also, you know, I, you know, I've been annoyed by Chris Paul as much as I love him. So it's also fun to see him not win. There's just so many guys like that. I feel like, because we know so much about these guys and we see like every single thing they do. So it's understandable to have mixed feelings and no matter what you're, you're either gonna, it's like the, the Celtics. Like I, I, I hate Boston but I found myself rooting for the Celtics and now I'm ready to go back to rooting against them. Yeah. It's the playoffs are the best playoffs are the best because the regular season, you know, the stakes just, you get to a certain point in your life when you're a kid, you can get yourself up for the stakes of the regular season very easily. You can think that it's the biggest thing in the world, that it matters a tremendous amount. But then with life experience, you just kind of, you can't do that anymore because you know, it's, it's fake, right? That you're just kind of like, pushing yourself to make something better than it actually is. So you kind of like do the slow burn, but then the playoffs come and every single series has a different narrative and a different story. And you, that is what's fun too, as a neutral fan too, is that like you ebb and flow based on what's going on. And I, it's, it's a really great way to watch basketball because these games too, like you don't get this in the NFL, you get it in, you get it in hockey. Hockey's a little bit hard to like, differentiate exactly what's going on on the ice you get it in baseball too but people's baseball understanding isn't really quite the same level that it is in basketball the nfl is a single elimination tournament basketball is kind of like the perfect storm because these series are long enough when you play six games in a row against the same team in basketball you know all their offense there's an active defense like if like imagine if an nfl team played the same team six times in a row uh, in a series when it mattered, how insane and crazy those games would turn into and like what the story arcs would look like for all the players involved. It's really dynamite. The last NBA thought I want to get you on is it involves Nate Silver, our favorite data merchant. And he <laughs> made news earlier this year when he had the Boston Celtics as the overwhelming favorite to win the title. Just absurd <laughs> future bets. Uh, I think he right now, and those have not changed at all. As you look at them yesterday, he has the Celtics with a 35% chance to win the NBA title and the Milwaukee Bucks with a 7% chance to win the NBA title, meaning that the Celtics are five times more likely to win the NBA title than the Milwaukee Bucks. And to that, I say, what the fuck? Well, I mean, the Bucks just lost Middleton for however long. You know, you lose your second or third best player in a in a series where the other team is 
so deep and so it's I mean yeah I, I remember when those numbers first came out it's like the Celtics that's insane but like now coming off the uh the sweep of the nets you know the the Celtics certainly look for real even though at the end of game four you got to see Marcus Smart doing some uh old-fashioned Marcus Smart things uh forcing a couple shots uh doing a couple things where he he really went for a steal on defense and reached when he should not have, and it almost cost him that game. So as good as Smart has been for the Celtics over the last few months, I I think that he might be their downfall. Just going back going back to the old him, really. Um, but yeah, I don't as good as they are, you don't know if they really have an answer for Giannis because no one does. Um, he's kind of that LeBron Terminator thing right now. I mean, they got Lopez back, but yeah, with Middleton out, I guess I would gun to my head. I guess I would pick the Celtics to win. Um, but I think it'll be close and I would not be surprised if Giannis against this incredible Celtics defense, uh, still scored like 40 points and averaged 10 rebounds and, five assists a game. Well, let me just say if his numbers could be used in the betting market and I could get those type of odds, I would be putting an unreasonably large amount of money on the bucks to win the series and ultimately the championship, because I still think that the title rolls through Milwaukee. Do you have the quickest three minutes in you for a little pop culture corner? What have you been watching? What have you been listening to? What do the people need to know about? Oh, I, I started, uh, we own this, we own this city. We own the city, um, which I, I knew nothing about. I just seen a couple headlines and I checked down HBO and all these people from the wire popped up in different roles. And I'm like, Oh man, I mean, this is, that's, that's, this is hubris, you know, talking, uh, you're taking all these David Simon actors and you're doing a police show in Baltimore. And then the credits roll. I'm like, Oh, it is David Simon. That makes sense. I, it has been really good. Um, I was very disappointed when the credits started to roll and it did not say play next because I'm just like, yeah, let's, let's keep this train rolling. Um, I, I am looking forward to seeing the rest of that. Um, is it now, is it, does it feel like the wire or is it just kind of like using wire expanded universe? You know, I was, I was thinking about while I was watching it, it kind of felt it's not as, I mean, it's, I mean, the wire was like 20 years ago now, like the last season was like 15 years. Um, It just, it looks much better. You know, it looks like it was shot modern, you you know, the wire looks a little dated now, Um, but it's, it's much more glossy and not as gritty as like, uh, as the wire or the corner. Um, but yeah, just like, I mean, how can you not like, you see all these actors, these small parts from, uh, from the wire and they like keep popping up and, you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for them to go see McNulty or Bodie or somebody. Um, it, it, it feels like a, a worthy successor. I guess I like that David Simon didn't, you know, try and reboot it. Uh, go for season six after all this time. Um, as much as I love The Wire, I just, you know, it's it's good that he's 
it's good that he's leaving it as it was as like this great piece of work and but it's also great that he's able to tell another story kind of set in the same world so i'm i'm happy with it all right i'll give you one good one and one bad one these have both been my wife's picks the first one is anatomy of a scandal on netflix it was about like this british uh to do and she started watching it i came in after one episode and by episode three i expressed re- re- real concerns about where the hell we were going it seemed like it was going to be impossible to find uh, a good ending for this one like they were writing themselves into a corner and let me tell you they did this is a hard pass for everybody <laughs> out there it just does not deliver it's stupid it's unbelievable it's strange credulity like there's no payoff. There's not even like a redemptive arc. It just makes no sense. It was, it's kind of like a modern day series set under the guise of Shakespeare where nobody can recognize who the other person is because they have like a small mask on. It's kind of doesn't make any type of sense. And also they don't must not have any type of technology to look things up online, even though it's 2022. So that's a big miss for me, but let me give you a more optimistic and hopeful one. And that's under the banner of heaven and that's the new series with andrew garfield and i realized when i was watching it last night we're only through the first episode but andrew garfield is fun to watch act because he kind of has i was trying to put my finger on it and he comes off as really cerebral and he comes off as really smart but he also comes off as like warm so i think that he's like a friendlier version of jesse eisenberg in a way and i think that he really has some really good, interesting range. He doesn't seem dark. He doesn't seem tortured. He just kind of seems very well suited to play the average role, an avatar that you as the viewer can get behind. And he's kind of trying to get to the bottom of something. It's exciting because there's a lot of mystery. We'll see if they pay that off, if the mystery is worth waiting for and we get good answers. So sounds like we did two out of three on what we've been watching this week, unless you've got another one. I, I do. Well, first of all, I want to say I really like Andrew Garfield and talking about Jesse Eisenberg. I, I loved uh, the stuff Eisenberg was doing around the social network era and Garfield was great in the social network. That's still just stood. That's an infinitely rewatchable film. Uh, but something I watched that I shouldn't recommend because I mean, it's, it's a pain, but, but I have to recommend because it's, it's one of those so bad. It's good things. This is a new Batman movie. It's, three hours long it's like a sequel to hard rain but with batman um paul dano gets like two minutes of screen time he's super creepy but like also super dumb it's just a painful long watch and i feel like if this had come out like 10 years ago and we had all seen it as much as we've seen the dark knight there would just be so many memes but like because it was it was dropped during the pandemic and you know it didn't it didn't debut on hbo it showed up on hbo and i just i just worry it's gonna get it's people are gonna miss how how dumb the new batman is and they and they just approved a uh, sequel and i can't wait to also watch and just like that yeah, they're definitely getting dumber and they're definitely getting it's it's weird because I love Batman and I love all versions of Batman. I love the dark Christopher Nolan, but I also love the really campy 
60s series and i also love the delightfully weird tim burton one with jack nicholson and all that and all that stuff is like that felt like they were having fun when they were doing it or they were in nolan's case trying to make just kind of like this epic i mean it's christopher nolan he's gonna make a great movie but some of the efforts in the expanded universe to me just kind of show like a fundamental misunderstanding of batman and kind of like they're trying to create something new and different but their heart really isn't into it all right one last thought since you brought it up i was ruminating on an idea and i can't tell if it's either the absolute worst one i've ever had or the absolute best uh here it is bill maher as an action hero in a movie your thoughts (laughs) what What's the last thing Bill Maher acted in? Did he ever act? <laughs> he did do that uh, religio- religiosity movie, I believe it was called, about religion several years back. And I would actually recommend that one because it was good. It said some pretty insightful things. Uh, he was more interested in, I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's Maher before, you know, he turned into whatever he did right now, but he's not really an actor but I think if you got someone out there and you put him in a suit and like his superpower was like making sure that liberals didn't go too far, it could be a really hilarious premise. And I honestly think so, at this point he might go for it. So like, like what they did with Bob Odenkirk. Precisely. But, yes, exactly. Instead of, instead of fighting the, uh, the, the mob or people from his old life, he's, he's fighting liberals. Well, he's fighting a mob. He's fighting the woke mob. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, we can, I don't know if you know anybody that can, you can pitch that to. Um, maybe you want to contact his producers, um, see if they'll bring you on to write it. But I, it's, it's definitely an idea for a sketch. Yeah, it, it's more of a sketch. I think I'll reach out to Barry Weiss and then she can put me in contact with Bill Maher. <laughs> that seems like the most direct path. Stephen Douglas of The Big Lead, I really appreciate your performance on this Friday. We have more sports this weekend. Go, Chris Lots Paul. More. Go, Chris Lots Paul. More. Man, that feels weird to say. What feels weird? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.